We're, we're continuing on in our series based in 2 Timothy called Fan the Flame, based on 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1 where he says, for this reason, fan into flame the gift of God. And that's what we've been kicking into. Now last week we talked about God's unchained melody and about how God has a song. It's a song of love, it's a song of hope, it's a song of salvation, and he invites us all to sing with him to the world. To spread that message of love. To spread that message of hope and salvation. Today we're going to keep with that imagery of a song. Okay, because I'm kind of musical and I like it. But what we're going to call today is the original song of faith. Why do I mean that? Well, let's get on 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. You got this, this little... Uh, Almost looks like a poem or a phrase here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, where he says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Now, when we look at this, now well, first of all he says, here's a trustworthy saying. I looked up that word and basically it, it, it can mean anything from a saying, here's a trustworthy verse, here's a trustworthy phrase, here's a trust, a saying can be a lot of different things. You know, and, and we have things like, you know, here's a trustworthy saying, all you need is love, or love makes the world go round, which is actually a song, and we would, you know, we would, we would throw those things out, and that's kind of where this is, because the thought of most experts is that this line, this, this phrase here, is actually one of the first Christian hymns that was going around in the churches. And it's actually uh, called the Martyr's Hymn, okay, or the Cross-Bearer's Hymn. It was used in such a way that would encourage, give strength to, and inspire uh, people as, as persecution really started heating up. And people were actually going to their death. Now, in the original text, because you see how it does here, it starts out with, uh, here's a trustworthy saying. If we die, with, you know, if we live with him, we shall also die with him. In the original text, it actually says, for if we live with him. And it's kind of like, implies that there was something else. It's like, a, you know, da-da-da-da-da, for if we live with him, we shall also die with him. And many people feel like that there were as part of the song, something else that went before this. You know, like, uh, uh, for if we die with him. So it says, like, maybe um, we will remain faithful to him. For if we live with him, we shall also die with him. Or um, it's like, uh, if uh, we resign ourselves to suffering and reproach, even to the point of death for Christ's sake. For if we live with him, we will die with him. If we endure with him, we will reign. And, you know, you see how it, it seems like there was more before this, but Paul jumped right to the meat of the issue. There was a guy named uh, Polycarp. He was a, an elder in the church in Smyrna, which is now in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Phyllis and I were, were privileged to be able to go to where this church was and look right up on the hill, and they said, that part right there, that's where Polycarp was martyred. That's where he was killed for being a Christian. And he wrote another verse, kind of an extension to this song. Or he, there was another verse, and he happened to write it down. I don't know if he was the author of it, but he was the one that happened to write it down. 
uh, which says, if we please Christ in this world, we shall inherit the world to come. As he promised to raise us from the dead, and he has said, if we walk worthy of him, we shall reign with him. So these, it's just incredible to see this, you know, to think of, you know, here's a trustworthy saying, and realize this is like a song, like we just sang some songs, and our brothers and sisters, but it wasn't just a song to encourage us or to, you know, get us all, Jesus got the power, fired up. These people would use this on their way to their death to give them strength, to remind them of some rock-solid truths for the reason that they were enduring this was going. And, and, and you can see the pattern. It's a consequential pattern. If A is true, then B is true. If you do A, you get B. Or if you don't do A, you don't get B. And you see that we do the same thing in some of our songs. Like, if you don't bear the cross, you can't wear the crown. You know, if you, if you don't endure the thorns, you can't wear the throne. You can't sit on the throne. You know, I mean, we, we do the same type of a thing. And that's what they were doing there. So what I want to do is look at this song, this original song of faith. And Paul said, keep reminding people, so let's, remind, let's break it down. Line one, if we die with him, we will also live with him. Okay, now this same thought, this is not new. This has been expressed many, many different ways. Paul has expressed it in many ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in verses 14 and 15, he says to the church in Corinth, he expresses this, he says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So he's given this concept, not just to Tim in this song. He's, he's trying to help the church in Corinth to see. Okay, we died. There's something about that concept. He, he talks about this to the church in Galatia. Chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I think nowhere is this uh, thought more broken down or fleshed out than in Romans chapter 6. As Paul's trying to help the brothers and sisters in Romans really grasp and understand this concept of Dying. If we die with him, we will raise with him. He says in beginning in verse 3 that if we, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death like this, we will certainly also be united with, with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So Paul here helps us to really understand this line, for if we die with him, we'll live with him. How does that work? He clearly points now in, in, in Romans that baptism is more than just a symbol. Some people say it's just a symbol. It's, it's, it's obviously more than that. 
He says, this is through our faith and obedience to God. This is actually the moment we are united with Jesus in his death. It's the point that when I'm united with him like his death on the cross, therefore I can be united with him in the resurrection. It's when we die to the old self that I can now have the hope of being born again to a new self. Now, in 2 Timothy, that line there, if we die with him, we believe that we shall also uh, live with him. You know, there's contrary. Is, this, is he talking about the physical death, or is he talking about that metaphorical, spiritual, you know, thing, that the decision? Jesus talks about this subject, too, and he helps us to understand it doesn't really matter because one's got to follow the other. In Matthew 16, Jesus starts talking about this, and beginning in verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple... Now, that's an important point right there. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Not, hey, if you want to get serious about this, you know, you don't have to, but if you're really up for it, the advanced course. No, this is anybody who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. All right? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Or what can uh, anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, the decision to be a disciple of Jesus involves giving up your life for him. You can't say, I'm a disciple of Jesus and not do this. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, you can say it, but it's not re- you're not really doing it. It involves giving up your control To his control. It involves giving up your right to make your own decisions and giving that right to Jesus for him to make those decisions. It involves dying to yourself. And that's what he said back in Romans 6. 6, We die to ourselves. Baptism is that that point that I'm, I'm making this decision to do this. And living for Jesus. That one big decision relinquishes control of all other decisions to him. He decides my moral standards. He decides my priorities. He decides my future. He controls my life. Why? Because I'm dead. I've died. And he goes on, Jesus says, if you try to hold on to your life, you try to keep control, what you're going to end up doing is losing it. You think you're saving it, you end up losing it. But if you lose it for me, if you die to yourself and give it to me, you actually end up saving your life. So surely nobody walked that walk heading to whatever they were heading to, to be beheaded or burned at the stake or or however they were martyred. Surely no one ever did that without first making that decision in their heart, I will die for Christ. I will give up my rights. I will give up my freedom. I will give up living for me and live for you. You've got to make one before you make the other. Because if you don't, what happens is, is the persecution comes and you start going, whoa, 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 easy, tiger. I mean, religion is, is good in its place, but I got my life to live. And a lot of people did that. When we bring it down to us, you know, few of us face that type of persecution. Matter of fact, I virtually say none of us. Now, it happens. It happens in our world today. 
Brothers and sisters in, in the Middle East face this today. Brothers and sisters in South America face this today. Brothers and sisters in India, and I'm sure in other parts of the world, I just know of specific stories in those three places. So I'm not, you know, eliminate people do, but we don't, you know, in Champagne, nobody's saying either, you know, deny Jesus or we're going to burn you at the stake. We're not there. Praise God. But all of us who have been baptized into Jesus and united with that death, burial, and resurrection, we were called to make that decision before doing that. And if it comes to it, we said we will choose Jesus. So how is it? When we're tested with that, but with smaller things on a daily scale. Are we willing to give up friends, relationships, when we know that when I hang out with them, I'm ungodly? I fall into sin. When I go to their parties, or when I go to their house, or when I go to, or they come with me and we go... I get in, I fall into sin. I bring shame upon myself and upon my God. Do I have the courage to say, therefore, I will get, I'm giving them up. Because I'm dying to myself. Becoming righteous is more important than those friendships. When we get tested, when Jesus puts us in uncomfortable situations, Somebody asks us a question about God, asks us a question about our faith, or we get an opportunity to share about our faith. Our campus ministry Friday night, I asked all of them to text right there in class. Text two people. What is your purpose in life? Let's just see what answers we get. You know, And as we went on through the devotional, we shared, several shared, several answers back. But at the end, I said, guys, you've got right now a ready-made conversation coming with those people. Because some of them, even in their texts, ask, why are you asking me this? And so some didn't ask in text. Some will ask, by the way, what was up with that text? Oh, man, I've got to say something. Okay? Have we died to ourselves enough to overcome our uncomfortability? our nervousness, our fear of sharing our true faith. I was talking with somebody campus about, I think the most popular answer came back was, uh, to be the best me I can be. So the obvious next point is, is how are you going to do that? How do you be the best you you can be? How do we even define the best you you can be? Wow, you can open up into an incredible conversation with those. But have you died to yourself enough to have that conversation? To put your faith out there? To share with her? Because some of us, we're, we're just so scared. I can't talk to anybody about Jesus. I hate it. I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. But if I've died to myself. See, we're tested with this line all the time. If I die with him, I will live with him. Do I try to control my life or do I let it go? If we died with him, we would live with him. And isn't living with him the whole gig? I mean, isn't that the point? Isn't that the goal? Well, you can't have one without the other. I don't get to live with him if I don't die with him. Some people might teach you can. It's a false teaching, and it's wrong. Second verse, if we endure, we will also reign with him. 
Now I looked up this word endure. It means to live under, to remain in place instead of leaving. To stay behind when everybody else runs off. We're called to endure. We're called to stay faithful. We're called to stand in our faith when others are inside. We ourselves want to run away. We're called to endure. Some people say, you know, we don't really have to worry about that. We're under grace. Uh, matter of fact, once you're saved, you're saved. You can't even get lost once you're saved. That actually is a false teaching as well. That's not in the Word. We strive to, uh, the idea of striving, the idea of working to stay faithful, to, to, to work on your own heart, is supported by many, many other passages. Let's look at a couple of them. 1 Corinthians again, Paul talking to the church in Corinth, chapter 9. He's talking about himself. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? For most of us, it's kind of like Jesus, then Paul. As far as like, you know, examples. This is what he says. Therefore, I do not run like a, a, a someone who's running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer who is beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul saying, I, I, I discipline myself. I control myself. So that I will not get disqualified. Now it dawns on me, you can't get disqualified until you are first qualified. He's qualified, okay, I got the prize. But I can lose it if I don't really strive to take care of business, to, 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 to live for God, to endure, even when things get tough. He echoes this as well in Galatians chapter 6. Again, he talked to the church in Galatia. We're seeing this. This theme here, beginning in verse 8, he says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, well, from that flesh will uh, reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reach a harvest, reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, but especially those who belong to the family of believers. He says, if we do not give up, which implies you can give up and then you won't reap the harvest. He says, now, don't become weary in doing good. He says that because you know why? Because you can become weary in doing good. Man, it happens. When, when it starts, you start having these thoughts of, will it ever end? I don't mind doing somebody a favor, but come on. This is enough. And we start thinking these, these, these bad thoughts. I did it yesterday. It dawned. I, I swung by a, a Wally or a Wally Mart, and I go, I get hit on the way in in the driveway with somebody asking for money. I got hit in the parking lot, and I got hit at the front door. And then I got to run the gauntlet on my way out. And I thought, man, does it ever end? Sometimes you can do we grow weary of doing good. And, and, and then you say, well, they, you know, what are they really doing with the money? What are, some people, they're just ungrateful. I just can't serve them. They're ungrateful. It takes so much sacrifice. You know, I got, I got responsibilities too. 
He says, but if we endure, if we don't give up, we will reign with him. And again, isn't that the real point? Isn't that the goal? If I endure, we reign with him. It's not like, well, what's my goal in life? To gather enough riches for me before I die. Well, if that's my goal, hoard it all to yourself. But if my goal is to reign with him, he says, look, endure even these hardships. Don't become weary in doing good. In Revelation 3, now we're jumping to Jesus' words on this point, right? In Revelation, this is Jesus talking to this church in Philadelphia, okay? And Carol, this is not your Philadelphia. This is another one. It's in Turkey. I'm sorry. All right. It says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Man, who wouldn't love to have Jesus say that to them? But he said, look, keep that command. Endure patiently. Hold on to what you got. Don't get sloppy. Don't get lazy. Because if you endure with him, you will reign with him. Verse 3. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Yikes, okay. The song has taken a negative turn at this point, right? Now, this is a scary thought, though. Again, it's, it's kind of that same thing. It's reminding us, it's calling us to be faithful, to endure. You ever notice you can't be disowned unless you are first owned, okay? Again, it's echoing that point of stay faithful. And he says, that's, this is a promise of Jesus. Jesus does this same thing. This is not a new point. Jesus said this. The song is just reflecting it. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 10. When he said in Matthew 10, beginning in verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge them uh, before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now I looked up this word acknowledge. It's more than, I acknowledge your presence. Well, thank you. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean acknowledge your presence. It basically means speak the same thing. It's not just acknowledge. It's I stand with you. I agree with you. I speak the same thing as you. And disown is not how it, I disown you. No, it's basically, it, I mean, it certainly would include that, but it means uh, uh, to, to not speak the same as. I can be standing next to Jesus and disown him by living in continual sin. I can come to church and say I'm a Christian and disown him with my lifestyle Monday through Friday or Saturday. And that's what the disown doesn't mean I reject Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus. It would certainly include that, but it's much more It's like I don't stand with him. I don't stand by what he says, I don't live by what he says. That makes certain things a lot more serious, doesn't it? You know, when we talk about different sins, and we say, well, I just, I can't do it, like forgiveness. That's like disowning Jesus. Jesus says, you can do it, I call you to do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. 
Jesus is calling us to do it. Uh, continuing on in that consistent sin. You're saying, I just can't get over it. I can't stop myself. That's like disowning Jesus. When you think of it in those terms, it, it, it's, it's actually a little more drastic. Because Jesus said, you disown me, I'll disown God. Now, he's not saying you've got to be perfect, but you can't just say, I, I'm not standing with you, Jesus. I'm not, I can't agree with you on this one. I'll agree with you on this one. Can't agree with you on that one. You don't understand my situation. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know my past. I can't. And Jesus says, yes, you can. And I know it's hard. But you can. And you need to. Don't disown me. Stand with me. Speak with me. Not just acknowledge my presence, but speak what I speak. Do what I do. Because on that last day, I want to hear Jesus say, I know him. I own him. He's one of mine. Instead of saying, he's not one of mine. I don't own him. I disown him. He doesn't stand with me here. He doesn't get to stand with me here. That's a powerful verse. Now verse 4 of the song, if we're faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Now, this is actually praising God and Jesus for their faithfulness. Now, it's not saying if I am faithful, he is going to remain faithful. If I am unfaithful, he's going to remain faithful to me and it's all going to be all right. That's not what it says. Look, at what, who's he going to remain faithful to? Yeah, himself. Because he can't, he's not going to disown himself. He's going to remain faithful to everything he said he was going to do. And this is an incredible thing. He said, listen, if you're struggling with your faith, that doesn't mean God's given up on you. He's going to remain faithful to what he says. What did he say? If I die with him, I will also live with him. He will remain faithful to that. If I endure, I will reign with him. He will remain faithful to that. If I do not disown him, he will not disown me. This is solid. This is true. This is certain. Without fail. Because he cannot disown himself. He will always stand by what he says. Now, Satan wants us to doubt it. He's constantly casting doubts about God's unfaithfulness. He's the ultimate false teacher. And he messes with us in our emotions. Because that's our weak spot. How many of us have felt, oh, I just don't feel God's love. I don't feel... God's being faithful to me right now. How do you think those martyrs felt walking up to that pile of wood? That's how Polycarp died. He was burned. That's why I keep using that illustration. You think they were going, Hello, God. Little Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego action would be really appropriate right now. <laughs> you know? Uh, little Daniel in the lion's den would, would not hurt. That was very impressive back then. It could really work. When we get our emotions, when we doubt God, when things are going wrong, when things are going bad, and it causes us to say, I don't feel God's love. And you say, look, that doesn't mean He's not there. Just because my emotions don't feel that. I'm feeling faithless. That doesn't mean God's not there. And that doesn't mean that God's not going to be faithful. 
He's going to be faithful to what he says. Therefore, be strong. You might have to walk into that lion's den. You might have to be burned at the stake. You might lose your head. You might lose friendships. You might lose relationships. You might lose the respect of some of your co-workers or fellow students. You may lose some of those things, but God is faithful. If I die with Him, I will live with Him. If I endure, I will reign with Him. If I don't disown Him, He will not disown me. That's what this verse is saying. God, if it's all going around, don't go by your feelings. They are notoriously unreliable. They're good, they're cool, they're great, but they're unreliable. God's promises are reliable because He will not disown Himself. He will not go back on His word. He will not go back on His promises. He says, keep reminding us. And that's what we're doing right now, right? Paul reminds Timothy... Holy Spirit wrote it down. I read it to you. I'm reminding you. Now I want you to remind it to others because this is part of God's song. Remind it to one another to stay strong and to stay faithful. Remind it to your friends, to your neighbors, to your family, to your classmates, to your workmates. No, God is faithful. Sometimes life does stink. Sometimes it is hard. But if I die with Him, I'll live with Him. If I endure, I will reign with him. And if I do not disown him, I stand with him and say, no, I stand with the words of Jesus and live by them. He will stand with us. He will not disown us because he is faithful. Amen.